Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Welcome to Empowering Chats. And uh, following the theme of reemergence for 2022, June, and we're in June, is radiance. And so what radiance means is to shine brightly as a light, to be cheerful, um, to admit rays of light, shining with joy and hope. So I'm just going to ask you to ask yourself, I'm asking you, do you feel radiant? And if not, why? Are you radiating love? I guess maybe the question really is, what are you radiating? Are you radiating love and joy and hope and happiness and freedom? Or are you radiating anxiety and feeling like you can't get forward in life and depression? What is it that you're feeling? So this means you got to get in touch with yourself. But ask yourself, what am I radiating? And if you can ask that on a daily basis, then you can find your choice point. Today, I choose to radiate love. Today, I choose to radiate peace or hope or joy and make it a conscious choice. Make it a a daily morning practice. How do I want to radiate in the world? Because that's part of reemerging reemerging, coming back out into connection with others, back out in as you are connected with yourself, right? So how do I radiate from the inside out? It's a good thing to think about. Meanwhile, enjoy the shows. So I am so privileged and excited to share with you all uh, a Q&A that I led with author Matthew McKay, who wrote The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife. And he so graciously, Matt, graciously said yes to doing, answering some questions from uh, students from my class that I taught on his book. So we thought, we thought this would be a really fun and interesting thing for you all to listen to, even if you haven't read the book. Um, because Matt answered uh, some really honest questions that people had in a way that helps you understand uh, actually why you're here, what your soul journey is and purpose, and then what you might experience once you make your transition into the afterlife. So the book is called The Luminous Landscape of the Afterlife. And take a listen to our questions and um, what Matthew had to say in answer to them. Enjoy the show. So I am just so grateful that all of you could join. Matthew McKay, the author of The Luminous Landscape, is here with us. Um, But before we dive into our questions and, and all of that, Um, I want to invite everybody just, let's just join together heart to heart. So just taking a very deep breath and just releasing that 
And then another breath, grounding yourself right here, right now, letting go of everything before this present moment. And another breath, breathing in love into your heart system and opening that heart where your wisdom resides, breathing in and exhaling love, allowing this to form a beautiful circle, knowing that what needs to be asked will be asked tonight, what needs to be heard will be heard, and what needs to be shared will be shared for the highest good of each and every person here tonight, but also for the highest good of humanity's evolution. So again, just becoming very present to now, allowing your heart to be open, your mind to be open. And then one last breath, just opening your eyes and we will begin. Okay, so Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Everybody, like I said, before we got on with everyone, everybody was all excited about these questions that we still have and, um, and things like that. Is there anything you want to say to everybody before we, uh, before we start? I'm just glad to be here. And also I, I want to just express some, a real appreciation that you're interested in studying and learning more about the afterlife and uh and appreciate your welcoming jordan's wisdom yeah thank you so um i'm just going to dive in with some questions and they're going to be all over the place matt so <laughs> i know you can go with the flow um so one of the things that came up as we were going through the book was if was about our higher selves. If there is a part of the soul that is still in the afterlife when we are incarnated on planet Earth, is that really what we reference as higher self? My understanding from Jordan is that our soul divides its energy at the point mm -hmm. of incarnation. So some of our energy remains in the afterlife always always connected to our soul group always uh, fully engaged with all the activities of the afterlife and part of our soul energy from what i understand from jordan uh then enters a physical body and incarnates and you know the the, the hindu concept of atman and jiva you know actually according to jordan really turns out to be true that you know there is a part of, of the soul that always stays in the spirit world and a part of the soul that will enter a body and engage in all of the struggles and the experience of learning that we all experience here and, and just one other point about that the part of the soul that incarnates goes through a forgetting process an amnesia uh, which is a necessary part of learning if we if we remembered everything about our our soul history and the past lives that we've lived and all of the wisdom we've gained uh, we wouldn't take this life very seriously it would be like oh yeah well there's this problem and that problem and i've lost this person and i face this struggle but it, it doesn't really matter because i'm going home soon and this is all just 
a play that I've been engaged in. So, so that forgetting is really an essential part of all the learning. We have to take seriously what we face. So, so we are divided. We have soul energy that always stays in the afterlife and we can connect to that soul energy. We can actually uh, communicate to our own higher self. So it is, it is basically our higher wisdom that remains in the afterlife. Well, it's a part of us that knows everything that we've been through, that remembers mm -hmm. all of our past lives and mm -hmm. all of what we've learned in the course of our soul's history. So uh, that part of us um, you know, you know, has that, that fuller knowledge and we can turn to it and tap into it if we want to communicate with our, with our higher self that has this more complete sense of what, what really is going on in the universe and, 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 and why, our, why we even came here. But so, yeah, so, so then in tapping into that, that soul energy that's still on the unseen side, like I, I like to say, and in, in the afterlife, then, then we can gain our, uh, I want to, so that's part of our intuition, yes, of where we can intuit, okay, oh, my life, you know, because so many people come here, what's my purpose, what's my purpose, what's, so you can intuit that by listening and tapping into that soul energy within you. Yeah, I think, I think that's really, from my understanding, really true, that intuition is a, is a way that we tap into this deeper knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and sometimes, you know, our, we don't even know where that intuition came from. You know, where, where did this knowledge come from? How did I, how did I know this? How did I, you know, feel deeply that something is true or, or that I need to do something or not do something? Where, where does all that come from? And, I, and so my understanding is that that does come from our higher self. It also, by the way, intuition can come from guides. Uh, mm -hmm. from loved ones on the other side, because they're communicating to us all the time as well. So we're, we're getting these whispers of uh, support and encouragement and advice really from the other side. And it, and it can be from our higher self, from our, our, our deep knowledge of what we've gone through as souls, but it can also come from loved ones and guides who are watching over us, who are with us, who are engaged with us and who whisper to us sometimes uh, very directly through our consciousness, sometimes in dreams, you know, uh, what, what we need to do. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of that since I started teaching this book and dreams and sounds in my house, and, you know. But so um, it's very important that we as incarnated beings right now develop our intuition and listen. Yeah. Okay. So what some, one of the, um, one of my students had a question about her. She wants to begin to channel with her mother. Who's on the, on the other side. Uh, but her mother, when she was incarnated was a devout Catholic and very, very much afraid of her intuition. And so she was that my student was concerned that her mother might not be willing to have a conversation with her now, but once, once you cross over, right, then all of those phobias, or most of them, kind of go away when once you see, you know, once the veil has lifted and you see why you were here in the first place. Well, I'm really glad you, you brought this up because a lot of our um, beliefs and our, our sense of what's true and what's not true uh, 
basically radically change when we enter the afterlife, the spirit world, because we see what's there and what's there is very different from what we expected or what we thought or what yeah. belief system or cosmology would, would lead us to expect. Um, and so, you know, a, a person that, you know, was a, a devout Catholic, you know, has some, as, as, as I think most of us will have, have, have some surprises as we face the afterlife because there's no, there's no judgment there. There's no one sitting uh, and saying, you know, you're in or out, you know, there's heaven and hell. None of that exists. And so all of those uh, expectations that we are going to be uh, evaluated and 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 somehow found wanting and 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 you know thrown into the fires. All all of that doesn't happen. And so you know, you know, uh, you know, someone's expectations based on the Catholic Church, for example, that you know you can't communicate to the dead or uh, that uh, you know the the, the the sense that our 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 lives are somehow um, you know, we're separated from each other in some way. Right. All, all of that turns out, you know, and surprisingly not to, not to be true as people arrive, arrive. So I want to say to whoever asked the question that your mother is, is more than willing and more than prepared to communicate to you, to answer questions, to engage with you. Your mother is already engaged with you your mother's already watching over you paying attention um something ralph messer said to me who, who was my guide for years who uh, taught me how to channel is that all of our loved ones are just a thought away uh all, all we have to do is think about them the channel opens and that person is there and ready on some level to telepathically communicate with us so your mom is there and is ready and uh, her beliefs about you know what the spirit world is or what it, what the limitations are there, all of those beliefs are now transformed by the reality of what she's experienced in mm -hmm. spirit. In spirit. So, so then, when that channel opens, Matt, how do how would you suggest we listen in order to receive information? Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I, there's I mean, a multitude of ways, I imagine, but it, it starts by on your end by saying what you want to say. You know, you may just want to co convey love to mm -hmm. that soul. You know, I mean, when I think about Jordan, you know, and I, and I, I think about, I mean, I, the, one of the first things is just to convey love. You're, you know, you are dear to me and um, I am with you and, 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 and feeling the sense that they are, are they, your loved one is with you. So, so just opening a channel is just starting with love, your awareness of how much you care for and love that, that soul. Um, and then if you, if you want to go deeper into the channel, we can talk about how to channel, you know, if you, if you have been in, desire to do that you know i i mean truthfully i've taught hundreds I think people, people to do it so i mean we it's, yeah. it's hard to do uh so if, if that's one something you want to go deeper into it really then involves actually on your side starting to ask questions what is it that you want to know from your loved one uh often as we start by just you know are you okay uh, where, where are you are you in a good place uh are you 
are you still present? Are you still with me? I mean, those are questions that we often begin with. Uh, but then you may want to go deeper. You may want to know more about where your loved one is and what that, that experience is like for them on the other side in the spirit world. You know, uh, what are they doing there? Um, you may want to know more about the cosmology of how the spirit world works. Um, so your questions are all appropriate for, um, for your loved one. The only thing is unwise to ask is about the future. Jordan's mm -hmm. cautioned me about that, that, you know, while those in spirit have some access to what the future brings, because they, they can see the whole timeline on earth, uh, uh, they are very loath to convey it or, or tell us about it because it takes away our free will. We're here to learn. And if we're, we know what the future is going to be, it, it actually impacts our ability to learn and, and, and take the lessons that we came here to, to encounter and, and learn from. So, so the future is sort of off limits, but everything else you can ask your loved ones for advice. I do it all the time with Jordan. You know, what should I do about this or that? Uh, how do I deal? What do, what do I do? I mean, before I came on tonight with all of you, I asked Jordan to just help me and support me to give you everything you need uh, and, and, and to be present with you and, and, you know, you know, whatever you're looking for, hopefully I, I can provide some of it. So, you know, we can ask our loved ones for support, for advice, for guidance, uh, and also about what the, what that world is that they live in. Yeah. So I have two things to say then, Matt. The first one is when I announced this class, I don't think I told you, Jordan, it was in front of the church. Jordan came in um, through the electrical system, through the sound system, uh, because there was a chant that we always sing, I am remembering who I am. And it, it was on multi-levels and, uh, and the, the person in charge of everything thought it was a misfunction, but I got loud and clear. It was Jordan going, I'm here, I'm here, you know? And then the first night of class, and I feel him right now, the first night of class, I just felt this whole so he was there the whole time with all of us in all the classes, I believe, just being accessible. And I'm so deeply grateful for his willingness to participate in that way, because there were lots of things that got answered that I didn't have the answer to, you know. So um, so I just wanted you to know that, Matt, because he, he's been invaluable, as you well know. But the other thing I want to ask is, those of us whose relationship toward the end of our loved one's uh, life was maybe not so awesome, mm -hmm. how, do you, how, how do we move? I know exactly what the answer is, damn it. But <laughs> how do, how, you know, if you've had a contentious relationship with somebody who's passed and then they are trying to get a hold of you, right? Knock, knock, here I am. I'm right here. What do you want to know? I want to tell you something. Uh, how, how, how do we best navigate that forgiveness? You know, of course, forgiveness and moving into love. Did I just answer my own question, you guys? Well, I, yeah. I think it's so, what you're talking about seems really important to me. You know, you know in, in this world, we are stuck in some ways in terms of our own limited perspective. Uh -huh. and, our emotions, 
uh, things hurt us. We 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 get into conflicts. We get we get conflicted relationships with the, those we love. All that goes on here. Now, once a person passes over to the other side, in the spirit world, uh, they're not beset by these emotions. These issues subside. Uh, in fact, you can't even get into the spirit world if you're overwhelmed with anger or some other intense human emotion, or there's all kinds of residuals from your past life that you haven't really worked through or resolved. So, um, so your loved one in the, in the afterlife uh, is not stuck in that drama, in that, uh -huh. uh, in that conflict that may have existed. Uh, they are well beyond it. In the afterlife, everything is love. And, and they see you with love. They, you know, those, those old issues, those conflicts, those struggles just fall away, are no longer part of how they, how they are, uh, no longer part of what they, they need or are concerned with. That, that anger is gone, whatever it might have been. Uh, all of that subsides. So you're now dealing with someone who is, is beyond that and who sees you and, and their love and life with you in the context of all of their history and their many lives, their many relationships, and, and all the love they, they feel for you know, all the souls who matter to them. So that's, what, that's who they are in the afterlife. They're, they're still themselves, they still have their personality, but all those conflicts, the struggles are gone. Uh, and so you can you can contact them without fear that you know that old hurt or struggle or conflict is going to suddenly uh, block or or show up in the communication. Okay, so I want to ask you about this. Uh, so most often, if some if if one of our loved ones, I, I'm thinking about people that have perpetrated not such good stuff yeah. on people, right? And so when they, when they're trying to get to, let's talk about disincarnated souls that come back and they want to mess with people, or they didn't even get to the other side yet. How do we know that? How can we know and trust the difference of that? Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. So there, there are different levels here. I mean, on one level, there are souls who die and they don't know they're dead or they were so involved in the struggles and the, and the conflicts and the um, drama of their mm -hmm. life immediately preceding death that they aren't quite re ready or not kind of listening to the urge to, to move, uh, move to the afterlife. And so they, you know, these become ghosts and they and they, for a little period of time are often stuck in and around the area where they lived or died. And, um, and are, uh, are you know, you know, painfully caught there. Uh, they're they're still you know so engaged with the, their human emotions and uh, the unresolved okay. drama that they are continuing to observe uh, the life and the world that they lived in. So yeah, so there are ghosts, and they're temporary. They sometimes they last just a little while sometimes they last in earth years uh, some period of time um, but eventually you know every soul will will feel the tug and start allowing and moving out of the physical plane and into 
what's you know what you know what in you know Jordan calls uh, the landing place, mm-hmm. and and in the landing place <clears throat> they start to go through. We all do as we arrive there this kind of um, adjustment. You know, we've lost our nervous system. We've lost this this physical body. Uh, our you know our emotions are changing. Uh, er- you know, our, our perceptions are changing. Instead of seeing straight ahead, we see in 360. Instead of listening, we, we are, uh, communicate telepathically. So everything is changing. So we're going through this enormous adjustment period for a little while in the landing place. Now, if souls are really struggling with a lot of intensive emotions, uh, residual energy from struggles and drama of their, of their immediate past life, um, they may for a while need to go to a healing place. Uh, they go sometimes to Bardo's where they, uh, where guides reconstruct some of the drama that they're, they're struggling with and help them resolve and work through that drama and some of that pain. And, and so there, there may be a period for some souls who just haven't worked through uh, and are unprepared to let go of the, of the emotions and the pain from their immediate life. Uh, there, there may be this transitional period wh- where they work on that in the healing places or in the bardos. Eventually, though, when souls are ready, and and the, and even by the way, this is not the majority of people. This is you know this is the majority of souls actually pretty quickly matriculate into the afterlife in the spirit world. But there is a minority who really are struggling and really are not ready to let go of the the all the drama and the pain and the, and the emotions of a past life. And so th- they go through a period of transition. The rest move pretty quickly into the afterlife and go through the, the, some of the early stages of the afterlife. So we could talk about that if, if you want, but I, I'm just wanting to, you know, emphasize that, um, you know, we do, ha- we do have ghosts who get stuck here a little while while they are figuring out that they died or, or just, you know, working through whatever intense emotion they had in the, you know, immediately, you know, preceding their death. And then we have people that go through a period of transition and in, in the healing places and the Bardos where, where they're working through some of the, the struggles that they had in their most immediate life. But most souls do move into the afterlife rather quickly and, and mm-hmm. are ready. So this is a qu- another question that came up uh, in the class about karma. So uh, uh, in the agreement, you know, pre the pre-planning of reincarnating, right? Uh, and there's agreements made, I'll be the perpetrator, the villain, and you'll be the victim or, or however that works. Does it, does, is there karma or, or, that happens because someone says, okay, I'll be the bad guy. Or is it, is it a, like, you don't get, if you're, if you're incarnating to be the bad guy in someone else's life, is it, are you then going to have to work through all the bad stuff you did, even though you made the agreement before everybody incarnated? Yeah, that's really an important question. My understanding from Jordan is that karma doesn't work that way. Karma is not like payback or punishment. Like, you know, you, you did something <clears throat> bad to somebody and now you're going to have to experience uh, that pain uh, that you inflicted in some future life. Uh, it, it just isn't like that. Karma is basically 
a lesson plan. It's like we're all, you know, involved in learning. And, and what karma is, you know, from one life to the next is if there were certain lessons that you were working on that you didn't complete in that past life, you're probably going to be working on them in the next life. Um, so, so that's for, more for the individual soul who didn't follow the lesson plan. Well, the, karma. We're, we're all in, a, in we, each of us have a lesson plan. And most of the time we are working from life to life on our lesson plan. We, the lesson plan is not completed in one life. We're still learning. And, uh, and we go into the next life. And part of our lesson plan in the next life is to continue what we were learning uh, in the last one or maybe over a number of lives. We're still working on something. You know, for example, let's say uh, a soul is working on um, being willing and courageous enough to face pain uh, and, and in, in the service of, of being loving or caring or doing, doing the things that needed, need to be done in their lives. And so, you know, and others are working on, on courage. Um, and so, the, the, you know, they may, you know, face different challenges particular life where uh, there are choices about, you know, do, do you, you know, do you face certain kinds of pain in the service of love? Uh, mm -hmm. Do you shrink back from that? Do you, you, you know, does fear keep you from acting on love in the face of pain? And so you're working on that, on that challenge. And you, you may not really entirely work through that lesson in a particular life. So in another life, you are going to also start facing challenges and situations in which that choice shows up. You know, am I willing to face pain in the service of love or do I shrink back from that? So I'm, you know, trying to talk about this from the point of view, not of payback, like punishment, like, like I did X in one life and now I'm going to have to suffer exactly what I did to somebody else. It, it doesn't really work like that. It's like, I'm, I'm engaged with a long-term lesson plan, you know, sort of like going to high school. It's like, okay, well, I, I didn't learn it in, in civics in, in my freshman year. I'm gonna, and there's some more things I'm going to learn, you know, in, in my junior, in my sophomore year, in my junior year, you know, I'm going to keep learning. And, you know, so it's not that I have to figure this all out in one lifetime. So the lesson plan will go over any number of lives, uh, but not with punishment, not with, you know, you did something wrong, you screwed up, and now we're going to pay you back. It's, it's more like, okay, I have to, I haven't, I, I haven't finished and figured this out yet. I haven't been able to face how, how to love in the face of pain. I don't know how to do that. I'm going to work on that as my, as in multiple situations over mm -hmm. lives. I, I love the phrase you use, Matt, of face pain in the service of love. And because um, the spiritual center that most of uh, the people on this call that we belong to, it's about serving love. That's part of the mission statement. So I love facing pain in the service of love. That, that's beautiful. So, um, I'm looking at the questions. Hold on. Uh, so uh, somebody wanted to know what happens to children if they've died, you know, at a very early age, is there a special landing place for them or they just all, you know, they're all part of the, the soul. So they just well, go to their landing place. No, no, no. There's an individual landing place for every one of us. So the landing place is prepared you know, given, you know, what planet we lived on, you know, so, you know, you know, 
very often people who from this planet go to a landing place that has gardens and you know beautiful uh, growing uh, plants and so forth. Um, whereas a, a, a soul that was on a, a watery planet would have an entirely different landing place in terms of things that are familiar and comforting to them, images and experiences that are comforting to them. So the landing place is designed specifically, not just for each person, each soul in terms of where they come from, which planet, but each soul in terms of what their experience is. So a child's experience uh, is different from a, 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 an adult's. And so the landing place for a child is going to be designed to help them adjust from, from the world as they knew it. Uh, and so, so again, it's, it's particular and, and made for us uh, to help mm -hmm. us, you know, deal with this really kind of unsettling transition from being incarnate to being in spirit. So yeah, it's, it's very specific in particular and it's all, and it's imagery. It's not, a landing place is not made of matter. It's made of energy. And right. so we're, we're shown an energetic landscape, landscape made of energy for us to feel this, this first, you know, you know, to, to deal with the transition and to feel as comfortable as we can, as we get used to not being embodied. So, so this is another question that came early on in the, in the classes. Um, do we ever incarnate as something other than a human being? No. Okay. Now that's uh, that idea that we can come back as insects and, uh, and or animals or all that stuff is just, it just doesn't happen. And, and I, and I can say that with relative certainty. I mean, Jordan has told me that, but if you, you know, read my, Michael Newton's work, who, uh, wrote Journey of Souls and, and Destiny of Souls. And he, he, you know, did life between life uh, regressions with like 7,000 people. No, no one reported, you know, choosing a life as an animal or an insect or any, anything else. And there's a reason for this. Uh, our, our guides and, and, and the folks who help us choose our next incarnation uh, want us to be able to live in bodies or th where cho choice is possible, where there's mm -hmm. will, where we can learn things. So we have to, and we have to enter a physical body, whether it's on this, this planet as homo sapiens or other planets, uh, a, a physical body in which choice is possible, in which learning is possible, because that's why we incarnate to learn. And so, so you, you, you know, insects are not doing a lot of learning, uh, you know, uh, a rhinoceros, you know, for all of its fierceness, uh, is only learning enough to manage its environment and, and deal with threats and, and predators and prey and so forth. Um, the, so none of that would be appropriate uh, for us. To, you know, th those creatures would not be appropriate for us to incarnate in because we need to be able to choose and we need to be able to learn. So then, Matt, what about animals? Like, um, so... I, several of us here have had uh, animals that have crossed over. I, I, for one, know that cat incarnated as a dog, incarnated as another dog. I've had another. I've had two dogs come to me in dreams saying, "I'm coming back. Come find me." That kind of thing. So, do 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 pets, dogs, cats, whatever, tend to come back because they're part of our soul group with with us individually or 
do they just all run their own, you know, in their own pasture doing their own thing? Well, you know, I don't know a lot about this, so I have to acknowledge that to begin with. Um, you know, I know that I, I, I'm aware of a lot of mediums who uh, report seeing animals with a loved, you know, so, souls on the other side and, and the animals is with them, um, their, their pet or, you know, beloved uh, animal. And, uh, and I know, you know, I worked with a medium who, who, you know, saw Jordan with our dachshund, little black dachshund on the other side. So, you know, so this is not uncommon where, where mediums report seeing loved ones with beloved pets. When I've asked Jordan about it, I finally got around to actually, you know, asking this question recently and, and and he said, here's the way it works. Not every single animal who's ever lived, you know, is involved in an incarnational pattern or, or you know, or, or that their, their conscious energy ends up in the afterlife. Uh, but animals that we've invested love and connection with uh, elevates their um, consciousness and uh -huh. they their consciousness in a way that they, they will be present for us in the afterlife. So it's our relationship that brings them into the afterlife as opposed to every animal that's ever existed, every insect, every, every <laughs> thing is somehow crowding into this enormous uh, jungly afterlife. Uh, it's actually more the, the animals that we have invested love and have loved us. That relationship may elevate them to a point where they, be, they, they enter the afterlife on some level. Okay. Thanks for that. I, so the next question is, um, we always stay in the same soul group after we've come back from being in, incarnated and are so uh, changed. Do we, do we, you know, because uh, Jordan, you guys wrote about after every incarnation, the souls are different when they come back to their soul group and there's a whole learning of the new energy systems um, do we at some point move to a different soul group because our energy system is different from our original group? No, we stay with the same soul group. And uh, <clears throat> through hundreds of incarnations, we will stay with the same group, soul group. Now, just, you know, to kind of explore this a little bit, you know, there are all of these neighboring soul groups. You know, you can think about, you know, if you think about the afterlife, it's this vast um, array of, of of light actually and you know and each each soul group you can think of as a house and the neighboring soul groups are you know on the on that same block cycle you know in spiritually speaking and and but then we actually have incarnate you know we incarnate and we uh end up end up in lives where we where we develop relationships with souls from very different soul groups, you know, soul groups that might on some level be far away, you know, other, uh, psychologically or spiritually, another city, another country on some level from the, the little soul group that we live in. And so, and yet we develop a love and, and connection there. So we do have um, relationships with souls that are, you know, way, way beyond our particular soul group, but we do come back to our soul group. We have, 
a, a group of souls are there are soul groups around us where we have incarnated with those souls and have relationships deep sometimes very deep, deep and loving relationships with with neighboring soul groups so all of that is going on and um and so there's a uh, but there's there's a consistency there. We always come mm -hmm. back to the same souls, and we always basically incarnate with the same souls. Um, and and there's these very deep relationships that are formed over many many lives. Um, and, and you know, it's sort of like you know, incarnating is like this is kind of a, not a really great analogy, but it's kind of like going to war on somebody. So you're going to this very difficult challenging place together and you're all you know going to have these various relationships in that place and face all kinds of struggles and challenges in that place and and then you come back and you're changed by that experience mm -hmm. and there's there's a period where souls really have to go through an adjustment like you know they, they've, they've gone through a lot it's kind of like if you knew somebody in college and then and then, and then you saw them 25 years later, well, you know, they've been through a lot, uh, in, in those 25 years, you knew them very well in the dorm, but you know, they've gone through a lot. They've, they felt a lot, they faced a lot and you, uh, have to kind of get to know them a little bit again, because, because they're mm -hmm. now all these new experiences back into the relationship. So yeah, there is a, there's a transitional period where souls kind of get used to what each, each, uh, each of them have learned and experienced in a particular incarnation. So this brings up a point, this is for me, it's not on my list, but because of what's going on in the world and you mentioned the word war, um, do soul groups incarnate into the same countries? Well, typically, yes. Soul groups will incarnate into the same geographic area and the same um, time period. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, like, you know, Jordan and I certainly, uh, you know, were many years apart in terms of when we are in terms of when we arrived on Earth, but we eventually, you know, but but we encountered each other at some point, and that's what happens. in for soul groups um, will will show up in in the same geographical area in the same time period uh, because they're going to likely connect in some way over over that lifetime in that particular area. Now, sometimes a, you know, a soul that's in our group will show up in another country, but there's an expectation that our lives will, will our lives will cross in some way or mm -hmm. pass across mm -hmm. and, and, and our relationship um, will rekindle at that point. So it's not always that we're, we're incarnating in the exact same geographical areas, but, but there's, a, there's a plan for us to encounter it at some place at mm -hmm. some time. It's fascinating to me that war-torn countries have been having war for centuries in the same areas, you know, uh, like what we're witnessing right now um, in Russia and Ukraine and the surrounding areas. Um, so what's fascinating to me about that is, did they just not get it the first time? So now they're just coming back and until they finally get it. Or is it because it's a global getting? It's it's for the global humanity to understand now. Well, there's a history of old grudges, and uh, you know, mm. when you're born into a certain location and a certain environment, <clears throat> um, you absorb the prejudices, the beliefs that 
have been part of that world for you know centuries maybe um right and and uh, you know you know who was an enemy you know 200 years ago is still an enemy on some level there's still antipathy and you absorb all of those prejudices and um and so now they're yours uh, in this particular incarnation and you you begin to act on and 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 respond to those prejudices with aggressive behavior um so i mean i i think there's some truth in the fact that you know we you know you know, if, you, if a soul enters uh, an area where there's been a long history of warfare and struggle and, you know, one country pitted against another, uh, they, in a particular incarnation, will tend to absorb those beliefs and get mm -hmm. caught up in whatever that mm -hmm. struggle is. And, and unless they become consciously aware enough in that, in the incarnation, uh, that they're here to be of service and love. Yeah. And so that's, that's I'm so glad you, you mentioned that because, you know, souls, um, you know, we talk about old souls and then souls that are relatively young, um, souls that are relatively new to this of, of incarnating uh, are very easily influenced by their body, by their emotions, by their physical their body, their desires. So they're often, you know, in, you know, in, in, in lives early in a, in a, soul's experience um these early lives are often dominated by what their body demands of them and 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 they, they you know they don't really have a whole lot of you know soul wisdom to help them navigate and so they end up often just you know you know focusing on pleasure and trying to avoid pain and their and and their and their lives are just sort of dominated by that and they really often don't have uh, have quite yet figured out their core values, what really matters. Um, and because their life is so dominated by this, this physical body that they've mm. been, uh, as souls, you know, develop and have more lives that they've lived and more wisdom that they've acquired. Um, they, they reach a point where they can bring some of their soul knowledge into their life, into, into a particular incarnation. Of course, we all forget, we all go through amnesia we forget you know who we were and all the past lives when we enter in a particular body but we do as we get more mature as souls and as we have grown and learned from many many lives we bring some of that wisdom with us some, some of the wisdom from our our, our higher self becomes available to us and helps guide us and also we have support from loved ones and guys on the other side also helping us. And, and so uh, this is a long, I'm sorry, involved answer. No, that's good. Uh, but uh, so now a soul who's a little bit more advanced comes to a war-torn area where all these prejudices exist and all these, you know, old, old ideas about who my enemy is and all that stuff. And, and they're a little more immune to it there there's a, there's a part of them that has this 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 deep sense of wisdom of, wait a minute we're all in this together it's not us against them and this whole tribal idea you know wait a minute uh, maybe we're not just tribes maybe we're all connected in some deep way through love and and there's there's this beginning wisdom that that, that begins to enter into their awareness as as they you know struggle with uh, whatever the prejudices and beliefs are of the particular region they've, they've been born into. So we see that as, as so more mature souls are more immune to and more 
resistant to some of these, these beliefs and prejudices. And, and they're more aware of this fundamental value of love. And they carry that with them uh, uh, in spite of living in a world in which there's all kinds of anger and mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah, we saw that in, uh, in Africa during the apartheid and with Desmond Tutu and exactly. Mandela and right where they, they moved beyond the, the experience of, of what they saw or felt or what was perpetrated More advanced in order people, to love. You know, yeah. were able to lead and, and help yeah. others who were less advanced to see what needed to be done there. Yes, yes. Yeah. So then Matthew, um, a couple other questions. Uh, one of our students was uh, her uncle. Uh, she was guided. She felt like she was guided to be with him in the car when he had a cardiac uh, arrest. And, um, and so her question is, is this intuitive? Was it intuitive guidance or was it part of a soul plan that she needed to be there at that time? You know, he, he survived it, but at that time in order to help him get through that, that, you know, that, that's another wonderful question. And I, I'm not sure I know the answer to it. I mean, I, there, there are different ways that could have played out. Uh, you know, she may have um, had, a, had a, a deep awareness that, uh, that, that the, her uncle was in danger or, or was in some way vulnerable. And that awareness was coming from, uh, you know, soul knowledge and knowledge of, of, of her own uh, soul. It may have been something that was planned, uh, that that she, you know, you know, she was going to be there for her uncle at that moment as as part of, uh, in order to support him to make some sort of, you know, to face some very difficult moment in his life. Uh, so it could it could have been part of a plan. It may have also been just something that guides, you know, supported her to make that decision to, to show up at that moment uh, because that was important that he needed support. Uh, so, you know, there are all kinds of different ways that that could have played out. Um, right. But what, a, what, a, what I guess on a, on a kind of a deeper level, I think a lot of the choices we make in life are whether we're listening to love or not. And you know, and, you know the 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 whispers and voice inside of us of love. You know, what what would love have me do at this moment? And and I think as we mature as souls, and in in any particular lifetime as we mature, we're more and more able to hear that. You know, what would love have me do in this moment? And so um, I, I think we become more available to and uh, able to take in that that deeper knowledge and 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 it helps guides guide us yeah i hear that um olga you had a question can i I, um yeah piggyback on that question matthew um in this instance had this woman not niece not showed up for her uncle i guess what i'm trying to ask is how much of that's predetermined so had she not been there would he have passed away is is part of the plan you know ahead of time your start and expiration date, let's say, for when you transition, or is there a certain amount of the free will and depending if she had not listened to her intuition, hadn't shown up, would he have passed, but she was there, so he didn't. So 
do you see what I'm saying? I mean, how much of it is predetermined and you're going to transition when you transition and there's no, there's nothing that's going to change that. It is what it is. It's predetermined. You know, it, it's not exactly pre, this is my understanding from Jerry. It's not exactly predetermined. I, uh, you know, it's not like there's this absolute date, you know, that we're going to die and come hell or high water, that's going to happen. Um, but, you know, we certainly at different points in our lives go through vulnerabilities and we are at, um, you know, in danger of, of transitioning and death. Um, but I, I think it's not so much about, you know, the, you know, there was some plan to keep the uncle alive at that moment. I mean, there could have been, I'm not saying that there wasn't, but it's not so much there was a plan that to keep them alive and that was destiny. It's more like um, the person who showed up for him had a choice and, and, and had and exercised their, their, their ability to choose their free will to show up at that moment of, uh, and support him. And, um, and it's not so, so much that, you know, there was some sort of destiny that we needed, he needed to stay alive for a little longer. Um, but it's about, you know, that person making that choice and, 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 and exercising free will to, to show up at a moment of, of extreme urgency for someone they loved. I, I think it's, it's sort of closer to that than there's a, there's a plan that everybody has to in lockstep, lock you know, make sure happens. Yeah, makes sense. Thank you. Mari, you want to ask a question? Yeah. So um, it was my uncle and I lived in San Francisco and he lived in LA, but our aunt had died and my sister and I were helping clear out his house um, or her house rather. And he, we wanted to go take him to a movie called uh, Forks Over Knives because he's vegetarian. And I think that everything you've said is right on. But the one niggling thing I have is that I asked him if he wanted to go on a, the Sunday when we were talking about it in the evening or the next day, Memorial Day bargain matinee. And he said, I don't care. And I didn't care. But the little voice in my head said tomorrow bargain matinee. Like it really actually said those words in my head. So I said, okay, let's just do tomorrow bargain matinee. If I hadn't said that, then I wouldn't have been with him and he lived alone and my sister and I weren't staying with him. So he would have passed. And there was a series of miracles around the whole experience having to do with the fact that there were two people in the car behind us. We were at a stoplight they knew CPR. I mean, there was a series of miracles around that event. So that's why I think there was way more involved than just free will, because I, it was like a bombardment of miracles. Yeah, I, that's an extraordinary experience and story. And, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I, I can't really speak for what exactly happened there, but it sounds like, I mean, you know, it sounds like what, what was going on was that your uncle had more things to do in this life. And there's, there was, there were, he had more 
learning to do or there were there were you know specific things that uh, still waited to be done learned I, i'm not sure um and so the guides were setting things up so that uh he could get through that challenge and go on to first have more time to learn those things and mm -hmm. was getting and the guys were supporting other people around you the people in the car that knew cpr to to help him survive a little longer so that he he could uh continue whatever his karmic learning process might be there's more that he needed to do and my wife uh, was from many 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 years an oncology nurse and she she would say over and over again people die only when they're ready you know when 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 they when they whatever they've needed to do they've done uh and and so and they will wait sometimes uh because there's more that needs to be done something else that needs to be said um some other um important communication that uh that hasn't happened yet and they will wait. So I, I, I think that he may have had more work to do. That, that's, that's the sense of it. And, and so guides were helping those around him to keep him alive longer to do that work. But then there's also things. There, there are things, there, there were lessons that you learned, yeah. I think, from that experience, if I may say. There may be lessons that the people in the car with the CPR learned from that experience that were all part of your lesson plan, their lesson plan. And this was an opportunity to advance uh, your learning uh, in in the service of also keeping him alive for his learning. Yeah, I think so. Because there's a lot of energy in that place. Um, and it was in the middle of an intersection. Mm. Of course, we were stopped at a red light, another miracle. Mm. And these guys pulled him out of the car and started on him. And I was trying to call 911. And I was so focused on him that when I looked up, I, there was a circle of about 12 people around us mm. and everybody was on their phones calling. Mm. So I remember thinking, oh yeah, LA, city of angels. <laughs> so that was a real thought that crossed my mind. There was so much a vortex of energy that I can't even, I don't have words to describe it. That was a force that I could feel that I, it was making me shake. It was so strong. Yeah. So it was quite profound. My sister told me I was never the same after that wow. experience. Beth, yeah. you wanted to ask her a question? Yeah, I, I just was wondering if I could ask, you know, you know, knowing your uncle and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe if a little bit more of what happened subsequent to that. Were there reasons why your uncle needed to stay alive? Were there things that he might have been learning? Or there, there was a couple of roles that he got to do in musical theater. He's an actor and a voiceover actor. Um, that Mindy and I, my sister and I, you know, said, "Oh, he was totally meant to do this role." Mm. So, um, yeah, I think in terms of that, he wasn't done. <laughs> yeah. And and the, and the guys and the forces on the other side were working to keep him alive a little longer so he could do mm -hmm. those things. There, there may also have been things he needed to do with, with loved ones that we don't know anything about. Yeah. So, yeah, I hear you. Thank, thank you, Mari, for, for illuminating us. <laughs> thank you for the time. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. So we ha there's a couple more questions on our list um, that people wanted us to ask. Um, one was about 
Hashik records. Um, and when, uh, hold on. Does the access to the Akashic records close when a universe is complete and thus cannot be revisited? Or do we have access to the, the, the Akashic records for all of the different experiences of history and universes and planets? Well, uh, it's very interesting what just happened. I mean, I, <laughs> Jordan communicates to you, to me, you know, sp spontaneously. And, and I, don't, I don't really know the answer to that question. What he just told me was that the record remains. It's like a book. And the book isn't destroyed just because the, the story in the book has ended. And so mm -hmm. a universe that ends or a planet that ends, the, the, you, even when you think about a life that ends, the record of that life, that planet, that universe is retained for whatever learning could be had in it. You know, I mean, all the, the divine uh, creates universes to learn, creates us, our individual souls to go out and interact uh, with these physical universes and environments to learn. And so um, you, it's really important to retain what's been learned and, yeah. and hold on to it. And, 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 and that knowledge uh, is, in, is, is in those records. Uh, that knowledge is held by all. And, and, that is, and we have access to that knowledge both through the Akashic records of you know, previous universes, planets, human incarnations, we have access to all that, but we also can join with all and, and all uh, souls have an opportunity in the afterlife to go through periods of merger with all and, and can learn a great deal in those periods of merging of just downloading awareness and knowledge and experience from the mind of all. So we have, uh, we've access to that knowledge through the records of the Kashi records, but also through our, our relationship to, to the divine. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me. So then uh, someone asked, is there a reason if there's, if, if people are, if we're incarnating on other planets, is there a reason why the human beings on planet earth haven't found life on other planets? Well, I, again, this is sort of beyond what I personally know, but what my, my understanding is that there are, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of other environments in which souls live and grow and develop and, and not just this one. And so, um, you know, why aren't we having contact with them? Well, first of all, technologically, we haven't reached a point where we, you know, I mean, we have radio telescopes and things like that, but we haven't really reached a point where we are in a position to physically connect to uh, other, you know, souls that are incarnating elsewhere. Now, it may be that some of these, these other planets are technologically able to connect and, uh, and that's, you know, aliens and, you know, all kinds of, you know, other possibilities about, you know, you know, that there are, they're, they're aware of us, but we're not aware of them. So I don't know exactly why that is, but 
but I, my my understanding is that we incarnate on so many so many more places than Earth. The also also what I I've been told what Jordan has conveyed to me is that Earth is a very difficult place to incarnate. It's a it's, it's a difficult planet uh, for several reasons, mostly because of the bodies we inhabit inhabit here. These bodies are so beset by emotions, by desire, by um, impulses. Um, uh, so, so focused on, on finding pleasure and avoiding pain that, you know, we're, we're hardwired in that way. And so we, we enter these bodies and it's really hard to tame them. It's hard mm. to, to, to work inside a body that is suddenly, you know, filled with emotion and drives and, and impulses. And so we, you know, and, and, and because of that, you know, you know, we have all of these souls around us also you know riding these bucking bronco bodies and 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 colliding into each other and and you know and and sometimes hurting each other and attacking each other using each other in various ways because they're all very you know the bodies are demanding that you know they have pleasure and avoid pain and let me get what i want and there's this this egocentricity and essential narcissism that's built into these physical bodies um, and so we have a lot of work to do. So in this environment and, li and living in these bodies, li living in a planet with over 7 billion of these, these, these bodies, uh, we, and, and souls trying to, you know, function inside of them. Uh, it, is, it is very difficult. It's a very challenging place uh, yeah. for that reason. It's a very beautiful place, uh, but a very challenging place. Thank you. So um, does anybody have a another question we've gone i've gone through most of the questions that we gathered during class does anybody have anything they want to ask matt yeah i'm happy to spend time with you so I'm, I'm i'm not like you know if you have questions i'm happy to be here and you know explore and you know say whatever jordan helps me with yeah olga um, I had a question regarding children or those souls that come in. You know, I can never understand a child dying um, at such a young age or stillbirths or those sort of things. Is that a soul that thought they were ready to re-enter and something happens? So, or what, what do we know? Or what do you understand and know about that that you can share, Matthew? Yeah, in the history of human, homo sapiens, uh, the average offspring lasted, lived five years. So the, the vast majority of, of souls who incarnate as human sapiens would not live very long. And so, I mean, I, I, I kind of want to put that in context. Of course, in our world, that's not what we expect. We expect, you know, people to be born and to live, you know, long lives. But in fact, uh, as you know, souls who incarnate on this planet are used to the idea that you know this particular life may not last very long, and um, and and it's not on the other side viewed tragically. We we view it tragically. I mean, I certainly experienced it tragically when I lost her. I mean, this is you know, it's just, this is a horrendous, life changing event when you lose a child. Uh, but souls on the other side who, who are fully aware of all their history of incarnations and the history of this planet 
um, are aware that, you know, you know, we typically don't live that long. And, um, and so we come here for oftentimes relatively short lives. Uh, and we're learning things in that relatively short life uh, that are really important. And, you know, and of course, Jordan certainly lived more than five years. He lived to 23. But he, he had a lot of things he was learning in those 23 years. Um, and, and, and they're really important uh, part of, of, of the development of his soul. And so even a child that dies young has learned all kinds of things. They may have learned a lot about love in just mm -hmm. a very, very few years. They may have learned a lot about pain and struggle in just a very few years. Um, they may have learned a lot about, um, uh, you know, facing, you know, difficult, sure. challenging things. So I, I just want to say that, that, you know, this, this idea of dying young is, is, is very tragic from our point of view. And, and I certainly know that and, and feel that. And souls incarnate without that sense of tragedy. They incarnate knowing that they're gonna have a relatively short life and, and they have certain lesson plans that they're gonna so, have So uh, the other reason I ask, I just had a friend whose daughter is in her late twenties, just had two stillbirths in a row. Um, and so those babies never even got to live life. Um, and so is the lesson that that soul's lesson was something she needs to learn about herself in that loss of losing a baby that never really got to live what we would call a human life because never got that far. Yeah, um, for her, there are important lessons in that experience I, you know, about facing loss. I, I wouldn't even dare to conjecture what those lessons are but right they're, they're so, those the, the, you know she, she faced that particular tragedy because th th there was something in her lesson plan about facing loss and, and right working with it. now as far as you know the, the the babies themselves you know if if a baby was never going to be born it may never a soul may have never entered that fetus oh, okay so that there may you, you oh, be sold okay. to enter because there's going to be an opportunity for life and, and to experience something that were less. Oh, I never thought of that. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So it, it may not have been that, you know, and for, in fact, it was, may have been well known that, 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 that fetus would never fully mature and, and be uh -huh. able to enter the, this life in this world. And so no soul was really assigned to, Got it. to that. Okay. That makes sense yeah okay thank you so this brings up a point uh matthew um can you expand on the law of change yeah yeah so i mean in order to kind of understand the law of change you first of all i have to understand we have to think about the law of cause and effect you know that that things happen because you know certain events ha happen because of all kinds of other events that that led up to it, um, and oftentimes these events we ca we, ha we can't even have we have no concept or knowledge of. Um, you know, some somebody shows up in the news and they did something, um, you know, weird, amazing, terrible, whatever it is, and there's a whole chain of cause and effect that led up to that moment, 
And for the most part, you know, we could never even imagine what it is. You know, we, you know, we might read in the newspaper that so-and-so's mother was, uh, died young or, or so-and-so's father was mean to them. But we really, we have no concept of what the chain of cause and effect, cause and effect is. But, you know, learning, looking at the Akashic record, we can see the whole chain of cause and effects that, that lead to a particular moment in time and a particular choice that a soul makes uh, incarnate. Um, so, uh, so there's a, you know, and I just somehow lost track of the question. And the question was what? The, um, cause and effect. Yeah. Laws of change. Laws of change, right. Laws of change. Okay. So laws of change have to do with learning how to insert, uh, kind of like levers of, of, uh, of, um, you know, small choices, small acts, uh, small behaviors that shift the balance of cause and effect in such a way that major change occurs. You know, you say X instead of Y, and 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 because of that, you know, something very different happens. Um, uh, uh, so laws of change have to do with knowing what might impact the laws of cause and effect in such a way that at a certain moment in time, that chain of cause and effect is vulnerable to being shifted, altered, um, uh, uh, transformed in some way. There's a vulnerable moment in that chain that something could enter there and could, and could alter the course of, of a person's life, of, of even history itself. And so learning how to do that and learning to recognize those vulnerable places where we can enter into the chain of cause and effect and really all, and move things in a different direction. That <coughs> learning how to do that is something that a lot of souls are engaged in. And Jordan actually is engaged in that, <coughs> excuse me, in the afterlife, <coughs> learning how to do that. So my, so my question around that, so then it changes the potentiality of a life or an era of history. Or just a small, it, it be, could be a small thing. It could be just, you know, something you say to your child. Uh, you know, I bet most people who have kids have had experience of a kid saying later, you know, when you said blah, 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 that really had an impact on me or that, you know, God, that, that really stuck with me. Or when you did such and such, that really, you know, I, I really took notice of that. You know, so when you think about, you know, your own child, there, there are moments where you say or do something that actually shift that child's perceptions, uh, perhaps their values, perhaps uh, what they want or care about. Uh, so there, there, are, there are moments when we sometimes can intervene and, and, and help move that child in a different direction. So hopefully for good, sometimes not. Um, so, you know, in our own lives, we have that experience of, um, of, of sometimes using the laws of change uh, to make a difference. And, mm -hmm. and on a larger scale, of course, this can happen in, in, in moments where people make choices that affect all of history. So then um, this law of change can be accessed from the spirit world by just a, just a little drop of a suggestion. Is, is that what I'm understanding? Well, no, yes and no. I mean, sometimes guides who are familiar with the laws of change might uh, whisper to us that 
you know, to, and encourage us to do something uh, and, and to, to take a certain action, uh, knowing that that's going to have a ripple effect, that, that that's going to impact things in ways that are um, desirable or, or ways that uh, on the spirit, in the spirit world, th- you know, there's a, there's a plan for making something happen. So they're, they're encouraging us to t- make a small choice that might have this kind of ripple effect and using the laws of change. But some, but but also um, in the spirit world, souls are learning the principles of the laws of change. And uh, let me tell you, I, is, I hope this is not too much of a shaggy dog story, but um, you know, I, I do a lot of uh, you know um, uh, regressions with people who want to you know discover past lives and life between lives. And uh, I was working with the. Uh, a gentleman who actually is a Catholic priest and was, was, was looking at it, you know, we were, we were looking at his life between lives, but actually, but initially to get into the life between lives, you go into the immediate past life. And in his past life, he had been a soldier uh, fighting for Russia in the second world war. And he was involved in uh, uh, liberating one of the, uh, the Nazi concentration camps. And as, as they began to approach the concentration camp, there was this incredible battle that took place. And, and, he, and he saw um, the souls of the, of the dying soldiers all kind of leave, leaving their bodies and, and, and moving upward. When he got, when, and he, he died in that battle, he gets, he gets to the afterlife and he's beginning to prepare for, for entering this life uh, shortly after just, you know, actually within a year or so after his death in that battle, he, he enters this life, re-enters this life. And he, he and as they prepare to re, he prepares to re-enter, he's aware of all of these souls who are, he described it as parachuting in all these advanced souls that are parachuting in who have knowledge of the laws of change, because there's going to be this major effort to shift where this world is going and that all these people are showing up at this time and place and this era uh, all on some deep level networking together to make to make fundamental change because they have this special knowledge of the laws of change and how, how to make things different. So anyway, uh, obviously they, they, they weren't, they haven't parachuted into Moscow uh, very much. And, and we've, we have some very regressed people over there, but uh, what I, what I am getting at is that uh, there, this is an era where people with the souls who have the special knowledge of laws of change are showing up on Moss. That was what he described to me. That actually gives me um, hope um, with everything that's going on in the world right now, as opposed to, amping up my fear so thank you for that <clears throat> does anybody else want to have a question for matt mari and then kathy this will be quicker than the uncle pete story um <laughs> so if you have a dream and it's so real that you wake up sobbing that you had a conversation with a loved one what is there any meaning behind that, or yeah. is it my wishful thinking? No. Okay. I, I absolutely. I I'm. I have to say, you know, you know, there's dreams that we have that are just products of our own 
you know, mental processes and sleep. But when you have a dream that's so vivid and so real, and, and in that dream, you're getting communication with someone you love on the other side, there, there's, you're, you're, there's a connection to that mm-hmm. person. Almost invariably, that's a visitation. Um, and, and, you know, souls on the other side, this is not universal. I mean, souls have different levels of skill in terms of entering our dreams. Some souls are not very good at it. Uh, some souls are actually quite advanced and are really, really, really good at creating dreamscapes for us that convey important lessons and, and communication to us. Um, so when you have that experience of vividness, of, of this, the presence of that soul, uh, uh, it, it, in my experience, it's almost invariably a visitation, a very real moment of connection between you and that soul on the other side. I felt it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Kathy, you had a question? Yeah. So um, I'm wondering, I guess, about time and knowing that time is not necessarily linear or isn't linear here. And I believe we discussed about maybe incarnating in different timelines. I know it's not often, but, but maybe you can incarnate in the past or I guess in the future. And I'm, I'm wondering if that's part of the the law of change if you go into the past and then you can tweak something that will change the timeline or, or how does that work? Is that true? Can you incarnate in different timelines? God, this is just a wonderful question. And, and, and and I I wish I could give the the fullest answer possible, but I don't know all of all of the ways that this works, but I do know some things Uh, that soul, you know, from the afterlife, we can see the whole history of the earth from beginning to end and the history of homo sapiens from beginning to end on this planet. And so we're from the afterlife, we, we look into this place, but we can see the entire scope of time from the afterlife. It's sort of like, you know, if there was a river of time, you know, from the afterlife, we can stand on any point in the bank of that river from, from the, from the headwaters all the way to where it empties into the sea. We could, we could see every, every moment of that river uh, standing on the bank from, from the afterlife. So we have that ability to, to, to look at the full scope of time. Um, and, and we also have the ability as incarnating souls to enter the, you know, in terms of the history of Homo sapiens, once once Homo sapiens got to the point where where souls were incarnating into these bodies, I mean, because you know there was a there was a point where you know Homo sapiens had not developed enough to have choice and to be able to you know and and to be and a capacity to learn sufficient to be appropriate to host souls who are incarnating. Mm-hmm. But at the point that that happened. You know, anywhere from that point where souls could, you know, were first entering these these bodies to the very end of of time on this planet, um, uh, you could a soul could incarnate at, uh, into into a body and at any point in that timeline. Now, souls typically don't do that because it's very jarring. It's like you know, so let let's say your most recent incarnation is here. Uh, you're unlikely to to choose to go back to the Stone Age. I mean, it's just such the the discontinuity between the the world that you knew in your most immediate 
past life and the world that you're entering would be just overwhelming. The same reason you might not, you know, progress to, you know, some point in the distant future, assuming hopefully we have a distant future, uh, because again, it would be, there's to be an incredible discontinuity. So we tend to incarnate near the most, the time we most recently incarnated because things are familiar. You know, if, if for example, you, you died in the 1920s and came back in the 1940s or 50s, uh, well, there's still trains, there are planes, there's, there's, you know, all kinds of familiar elements uh, to life that, you know, you're not, you're not in a world that let's like, you, sh you show up and there's, there's nothing that makes any sense. There's nothing familiar. So souls tend to, to, to incarnate linearly in that way, but they don't have to, they don't mm -hmm. have to. Uh, and also, by the way, it's also true that souls don't have to incarnate to the same planet. There are souls that choose actually to move from one planet to another. Uh, sometimes it's just because the planet is dying and, and, and the species that they're incarnating into is dying out. Uh, but, but sometimes they, they, all, they actually will choose to move to another planet. And souls who come from other planets and come here often have a really difficult time because this is a tough place. And, and, and these, these hybrid souls who come, come from another planet who incarnated elsewhere for most of their lives come here and they often struggle for another a number of incarnations to get used to this place. That's just, I'm, I'm, I'm going on and on here. I'm probably not answering your question very well. I apologize. No, I, that was fabulous. Did, it, did he answer your question, Kathy? Yeah, he did. And then, um, well, I don't even know. So the cause and effect thing, and I'm going to bring something up we really didn't talk about, but. Okay, can, I say, can I say one other thing? Yeah. That actually, Jordan's been telling me this recently, that, for example, if you made a, make a choice in this life, it not only affects the future, but it actually can affect the past. That actually, the things we choose actually can have some power to change the past, which is sort of blows my mind. But what, what he just was telling me recently is, you know that stuff when you forget things? Well, sometimes the forgetting process is not just forgetting. It's that the thing literally stopped, didn't happen. It's gone. Th that past event actually didn't occur. Uh, oh. And oh, so wow. we, we actually do have some capacity oh. to the choices we make both move forward and backwards in terms of their effect. So I just wanted to add that. I'm sorry. Right. To if we make a certain choice now, sometimes that has a, has a retrospective change and that actually our environment changes unbeknownst to us, you know, because we, we don't realize that it's changed. It's just like things are different, but we don't know that because we made a choice. Something changed in the past as a result of that choice. And now our world is a little different. And uh, we don't see that difference because we don't realize that it's happened. We, you know, uh, so there, there is stuff that like that, that I, my understanding is that goes on. And okay, I that makes sense. And, and I would suggest, I, I think I mentioned this in class, you guys, we can do that. We can affect that now. You can, through the power of love, shift your ancestral belief systems that you've been handed and, and support those individuals that came before you through love to shift. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Christine, you wanted to ask a question? Uh, I was just wondering, does it matter if the person has already incarnated elsewhere? Um, is that line of communication, uh, no matter what, because a 
piece of their energy from the soul group spirit as mine does exactly right that's exactly right a part of okay. our energy always remains in the soul group always remains in the spirit world and you know jordan is already incarnated he's a little not even little girl anymore he's you know okay. and um so he's in another life wow. but i can continue to communicate to him in the in the spirit world because a part of his energy always remains there and oh, by the way, part of my energy, a part of your energy always remains in spirit. And so we actually are having relationships in the spirit world that, you know, we're not privy to, but, but are going on anyway. And from here, from, from, you know, our incarnated lives, we can also have relationships and as you are communicating to loved ones in the spirit world. And you can continue to do that even if they're, re if, even if they're incarnating because only a part of their energy incarnates part of it always remains in spirit to, to be available and able to connect to you. Well, Fabulous. I have to tell you is, as you were saying that, I just felt this incredible love and reassurance. Um, thank you. Well, that's the thing that Jordan tells me. We're all together, you know, living in the dead, the, the, you know, we are all together there's nothing that separates us and the ones you love who are on the other side are thought away you can open the channel to them just by by desiring to just by thinking of them and loving them the channel can open and 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 their love for us continues regardless of whether they're incarnate or not um, so these relationships go on forever nothing can change the love that exists between you and another soul nothing can change it it's there and you can access it if you want uh and 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 the power of that love is always available to you so i, I think that's just i just want to say that out loud thank you matthew um i we have time for one more question anybody okay okay um I, I just am getting such huge affirmation from, uh, as you were saying that, Matthew, from my aunt, my grandmother and my mom and my grandfather right now. It's like awesome. So thank you. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this Q&A with us. It's been as enlightening as studying the book. And I just want to say thank you to you and Jordan for for writing the book because it, it's a it's a really good entree into um our sole purpose and how to be better in the world as we are right now so thank you so much so i'm just going to end with and so it is namaste well that wraps up our empowering chat today i hope you enjoyed it and if you did go to susanborrell.com you can See all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at susan at susanborell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time.